0: Hey again, Travel Bosses. I'm excited to bring you this week's sponsor, Tripstreak, the smarter travel search. What I love about Tripstreak is the ability to set your personal preferences to either have or avoid red-eye flights or have things like completely lie flat seats. So the next time you need to book a flight, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Here's your host, Johnny N. Hey, guys, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 165 of the Travel Boss podcast. Today, I'm in Berlin, and this is going to be one of those solo podcasts. So, no guests this week, and mainly because every nomad that I met out here in Berlin is hungover and headed to Ibiza right now. So, I decided I'm going to record this to give you guys an update on where I've been these last couple of weeks. Some travel tips that I picked up along the way and what my plans are for the upcoming months. So when I left you guys last, last week in, I was in Ireland still. Sam Marks and I was walking uh, across and we just finished the Wicklow way. If you guys haven't checked those two podcasts out, it's 163 and 164 where we talked about that. So the reason why I decided to leave early. Or just after the Wicklow Way and not continue is mainly kind of for three things. Is one is even though it's summer, Ireland the weather is not the best. It's it's rainy, it's cold, uh, and it's really beautiful for about eight to ten days, and then you get a little bit dreary of it. And I probably would have continued uh, anyways if it was another walking trail if we had did the Wicklow Way. Backwards again to Dublin, and then walked from that way to Galway. But Sam's journey was going to be a lot of kind of road walking next to highways, and not as beautiful as you know. It's not going to be hiking. It it was just kind of just walking, uh, almost kind of imagine on the side of a freeway or the side of a highway uh, every day until he got to the west coast, Galway, which is going to be beautiful there. And because of that, I decided, you know what, I've done the Wicklow Way. I'm exhausted, <laughs> the weather sucks, and I've enjoyed it, but if I continue, I'm not going to enjoy it anymore. And I think that's one big lesson to, to learn is it's good to set goals and have adventures and definitely do whatever you can to kind of push till you get there. But at some point, if you kind of just know in your gut that you're not going to enjoy it, just don't do it. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for you to force yourself to travel longer or harder just because it, it'll sound cool, it was on paper. So Samus has his own reasons to do it, uh, and he's still using it to raise awareness for the charity. So big ups to him for that. But <laughs> just between you and me, every time I talked to him, he said he, he he hates the walking now. It's exhausting, it's not it's not you know scenic anymore. So if you guys do a walk in. Dublin or Ireland, make sure you do either the Wicklow Way or find an actual trail and not just, you know, walk across. So, what did I decide to do? Um actually one of the reasons why I decided to cut the trip uh, short was I just was thinking what else do I want to do in Europe and I got an invitation to a a meetup in Berlin for Affiliate World Europe. I spoke at Affiliate World Asia last December. Uh, on the Shopify panel about dropshipping. And they invited me to some of their parties after here and their open bar. And it's you know good way to hang out with people I met last year. So I figured, oh, you know, why not? It's good timing. So I decided to come to Berlin. But as an idiot, and this is going to be travel tip <laughs> number two, is even though it seemed at the time that it would be easier for me to leave my luggage in Barcelona because I couldn't carry it around uh, with me because we we're going to be walking with the luggage With everything on our back from Dublin, uh, through Ireland for, you know, at least two weeks, if not longer. So I didn't know where to put my luggage and I decided, Hey, I I have friends in Barcelona. Maybe I'll just leave it here and come back for it. It's only a $50 or 50 euro flight to Dublin anyways. No big deal. So here is what I learned from that experience. One is just because a flight is $50 or euros one direction doesn't mean it's going to be the same. Coming back, so it ended up being more than double that. And second, it was just kind of backtracking for no reason. Uh, luckily, I had some friends in Barcelona, so we got to hang out and grab dinner while I was in town. But it just wasn't worth it. It would have been so much easier if I brought my luggage with me. As far as where I could have stored it, I think every single city is a little bit different. And I think in Dublin itself, it might have been a bit hard. But we were staying at a travel lodge in Phoenix Park, which is just outside of the city, and they were completely okay with it because they were going to leave Sam's luggage there if it hadn't gotten lost at the airport, if it hadn't gotten delivered. And they said, yeah, three weeks is fine. So it's one of those things where if you are in a very, very busy city in the heart of the center, they probably don't have room to store your luggage. But if you are somewhere quieter, most places have a big storage room. And a lot of hotels will will just do it for free if you promise to stay there again on your way back so that's actually what sam did he's left his luggage now at a random bed and breakfast on top of a a pub and he said he'll be back in a month and they said you know sure they'll go for it so travel tip number three is when you're headed to your next destination if you have some free time see what's along the way so i could have easily flown from barcelona directly to berlin but because i had been to berlin a few times and I realized I haven't actually seen the rest of Germany. I decided to just simply take a look at a map and realize that Hamburg was on the way there. Flights were about the same price. And from there I'd be able to take a train or a bus from Hamburg to Berlin in just a couple hours. So I figured why not? I flew to Hamburg. And if you guys aren't aware, I think it's in the old capital of Germany, but what it feels like, what it looks like is a cleaner kind of better run version of Berlin. It's what you probably imagine a nice German city to be like. But it turns out that the actual Germany that we all think of as Americans, what we see on TV, people wearing the Leggenhosen, which is the traditional outfits, or drinking these giant beers and eating sausages, that's actually more South Germany, uh, in the Bavarian part where they eat pretzels and they drink, you know, more beer. So you'll be a bit disappointed if you go to Hamburg, if you expect that. But if you want to see a beautiful kind of old style, you know, good architecture, you know, efficient run city, Hamburg was really beautiful. And I felt for the first time in my life that taking a bus to a train and, you know, basically transferring three times wasn't a big deal. While here in Berlin, I, like buses just don't come and it just, it's really, really inefficient. It's, it's strange how dirty and in- inefficient Berlin is compared to the rest of Germany, and yet it's their capital. But it does kind of add some of the, I guess, the the culture to the poor but sexy uh, slogan they have here in Berlin. So in Hamburg, and this is going to be travel tip number four, is even though I did do some sightseeing, I really just wanted a place to just hang out and chill for a while before I continue my travels or my parties or the crazy adventure. So what I did was I rented an Airbnb that was a proper, you know, one bedroom with a separate living room, a nice big couch, a nice big TV with a kitchen. And that cut up my trip a lot. So for four days, I mainly just watched Netflix. I you know either cooked food or um, went to the supermarket and it was really, really nice to have that recharge. I think a lot of people travel kind of nonstop a little bit too long uh, in a row where they get burnt out and they don't enjoy traveling as much anymore. They don't even remember what they did because they're just always on the run and always on the go. So big thanks to Airbnb for being an option now where somebody was able to rent me their place for the weekend. And I guess this is a uh, a bonus tip you know, 4B, I guess, Uh, for people who have a house, or have an apartment, and you want to make some side income, what this girl did was she basically listed her place on Airbnb knowing that, you know, not everyone's always going to rent it, but if they did, all she had to do is use that weekend to go somewhere else. So, you know, she went to go visit her, her family, you know, half an hour away, an hour away, and just stayed with them, and she was able to make a couple hundred euro which is a great side income and her, I'm sure her parents are happy to see her. So whether it's you taking a trip to go camping, to go travel, to go visit family or friends, listing your place on Airbnb for the weekends, especially if people are gonna stay for, you know, two, three, four days and it makes it worth it for you. I think it's a it's a great alternative for people. So in that case, I'm very, very happy that Airbnb is around. Um, I know there's a lot of pros and cons of Airbnb. People in Berlin, uh, in uh, Barcelona actually hate it because they blame it for driving up the housing prices uh, for people that actually want to rent and live there. From the entrepreneur point of view, I think those people should be renting a place even if they can't afford it and just renting it out on Airbnb most days and you know figuring something out, either just renting out one of the rooms or staying with a friend the other nights or you know even just renting it out in Barcelona, which is really expensive, and then spending the weekend an hour outside you know somewhere really cheap and not only being able to get out of the city themselves and enjoy it, but also make some side income so they can really afford their place. So just a little bit about Affiliate World Europe. Two thousand seventeen, uh, It was in Berlin this year and it's put on by a forum called Stack That Money, which I'm not, not actually a part of. The only reason why I went to their conference last year was because Shopify asked me to come uh, because I'm one of their affiliates. Um, I think I'm one of their highest uh, grossing affiliates and they wanted me to talk about dropshipping and e-commerce, which turns out has become a big big topic in the affiliate marketing world nowadays not because people are being shopify affiliates but because they're using their skills as affiliate marketers that used to do things like facebook ads to like a call per action um lead or something like that and they're using those metrics and that kind of work hustle to dropship from AliExpress, so if you guys don't know about that too much, look for jo- uh, my videos uh, on either YouTube or on JohnnyFD.com about dropshipping from AliExpress. Uh, it's the hot thing right now. Uh, if you, I'm sure you, you guys have all seen those fidget spinners. That was popularized by people dropshipping from AliExpress. Now it's all over Facebook. Don't sell that because everyone else and their cousins and moms are selling it. But that's just one example of something that some people made a lot of money from. So it's not the type of job shipping that I personally like doing or recommend per se, but it does work, especially for people that like to do a lot of kind of crazy targeted ads. Uh, if you are a Facebook ninja and you, you want to learn to be one, that is a industry that you can get in and really, really crush it. So Check that out. Check out the video on YouTube. So the best thing about having that conference in town was there was a bunch of crazy bars and crazy after parties. So I ended up doing that a lot. And I think it's out of my system. So I enjoyed that. Thank you, Berlin, for being a big, crazy party city. Uh, And I think that's the reason why people come here. It's not somewhere I would live and I don't want to end up doing that every weekend. But uh, one cool thing that I did while I was in town was I found out that there was an alternative free walking tours so if you guys have read my guide to Berlin you'll know that I'm a big big fan of the free walking tours but I've now done it twice and I've actually done it a third time on a bicycle mainly because I did it my first time on my own second time last year with Chris and then I decided you know what I've already seen these same places so many times it'd be nice to get out of the you know out of the house and go on a walking tour especially because you meet other people you get a cool guide. But I didn't want to go on the same one again, so I just Googled Free Walking Tour Berlin, and I found one called the Alternative Walking Tour, where they take you and show you the street graffiti and the art, and explain all that to you, and take you to kind of some cool underground places. For example, we ended up in a place called Jamaica, which is literally a Jamaican beach bar inside of Berlin. And here's the thing about that, and the kind of the whole tour, is I'm not a fan of people kind of defacing property with graffiti. But at the same time, I do appreciate murals and beautiful street art. And it's one of those weird things where it's such a, a part of the culture here that if they didn't have it, Berlin would actually probably lose some of its charm. But And knowing that the government actually pays and flies you know, graffiti artists uh, into Berlin and, you know, rents trains for them so they can go up on these big buildings, which cost them thousands of dollars a day. Supply They supply the paint, uh, they supply the security and everything for people to paint these big murals. And when I asked why, they realized it's because of two things. One is if they don't hire somebody to do it and, you know, have something, you know, some say in it, graffiti artists... Well, not really artists. Just kind of just random people will go and use those sides of buildings if they're, there's blank space, and they'll put whatever they want to put, anyways. So at least this way they have some control to be able to kind of beautify the city a bit uh, by having a mural instead of you know just somebody having somebody tagging or, or drawing whatever they want. And second, then they say that it's actually good for tourism, where people come and uh, people look at these art pieces. So there's definitely. Some money being made in that. For example, the one of the the tagging crews, one up, is they're all over the city, and it turns out they make a ton of money selling merchandise on their website with T-shirts and hats and stickers. So it really shows that whatever your your passion is, you can find out a way to make money from it, especially if it's online. So that's tip number five: is always wherever you go to a new city, Google free your walking tour, and just remember. Always tip your guide. Uh, actually, I actually had a big conversation with him afterwards, and I bought him lunch just to, you know, just I was hungry anyways, and he wanted to eat. Um, but I, you know, I really just kind of picked his brain about tips and um, how his job is. So the way it works is a free walking tour is created by a company that creates the website, trains the guides, uh, basically. Provides leads and you know provides people to show up at a destination at any given time uh, on certain dates, and the the tour itself is free, and then at the end you can tip whatever you like. Now there's two types of guides. One is that they are way too pushy, and they are way too salesy, where it makes it kind of uncomfortable to even be part of the the group, uh, especially you know in the beginning when they really push the tips, um, and then the other people that are like this guy, where they're so passive about it, where they feel so bad even asking for tip that they end up just kind of shooting themselves in the foot or screwing themselves because a lot of people don't even realize um the way it works or how they get tipped. So talking to them, here's the actual inside kind of information on how free walking tours work is and it's gonna vary from company to company, but in general the guide pays a flat amount per person that shows up. So yesterday, for example, we had 17 people show up and his flat amount is two euro per person. So he has to pay, um, $34, 34 euros to the company for supplying these 34 guests. Now, often he'll end up losing a few of them even before the end of the tour. Either they will wander off on their own. They will purposely ditch. Um, they will, you know, they have other plans for us. So they kind of just showed up. And what sucks is the guide has to pay 2 euros per person even if they didn't tip at all or even if they didn't stay to the end. So it's kind of a a crappy system. Um, But it makes up for it by the people that do stay and tip more than $2 because that's what makes up for it. So also kind of talking to them, a good tip would be – so a bad tip is anything that's 2 euros or less because 2 euros – would be him just breaking even. And so he just did all this work for free. And anything less, he actually loses money taking you on a tour. So a decent tip would be anything between 5 to 10 euros or $10. Because if you think about it, if all 17 people uh, tipped, let's say, 5 euros, that would be a profit of 3 euros per person. And how much would that be? Let's see. That would be $51 per for, you know, two or three hours of his time, uh, it's not too bad. Uh but if everyone gave ten, all of a sudden he'd be making a hundred Euros. And if he can make a hundred Euros a day, that's three grand a month. That's actually a great salary for a, um a place as a tour guide in in Ber- place like Berlin. So if he was a good guide and you know you wanna give him a good tip, give him ten dollars, you know, because in general a two or three hour tour is gonna be worth that much anyways. And obviously, there's going to be people that tip even more. So if you really want to be generous, or if it was a really, really great guide, you can offset the kind of I don't want to say the assholes, but the people that didn't tip uh, or didn't know any better, by you know giving a 20 euro tip or whatever it is. And I'm actually I'd be curious to ask them, you know, what the biggest one he's ever gotten was. But kind of just from looking, uh, most people gave him five. A few people gave them coins, which is a little bit hard to tell because in Europe, uh, a handful of coins could be anything from, you know, two euros to 10 euros. So, um, I, I would I of guessed it was about, about five or so. And one, um, uh, you know, a group of friends from Vienna and from Austria, they tipped, I think something like 25 euros. So I would say that. After expenses, he probably made, you know, 75 um, or so euros for that tour and he does more than one tour a day. So I think that on, especially during the summer, especially during good times, you can easily make about 3,000 euros per month being a walking tour guide. And he said he loves it. He, he loves meeting new people. He loves being outside all the time, um, I guess, especially if it's not going to rain, but it's just an enjoyable job for him so this is something that you guys can look at uh if you want to just take a summer off or you are living in a new city and you want to get to know people and um have you know have kind of a fun offline job is check out free walking doors and see if you can uh apply to be a guide for for any of these or better yet you know just become your own guide you know throw up your own website especially if you're gonna be living in a city for a long time I'm actually surprised that there's no Free walking tour for Chiang Mai. So you know, somebody throw up you know free walking tour, Figure out a, a path, to take people to the best temples and the best street food in the old city, and have it be free and tip only. Which should probably get by the kind of legal authorities. Uh, I'm. I definitely. I personally wouldn't do it just in this case. Uh, but I'm. I'm just gonna assume it would probably be okay uh, if it is if it is free and tip-based, but you might want to do your kind of research on that on yourself. So tip six would be, if aside from doing uh, free walking tours, if you want to meet people in your city or wherever you're traveling to, because at Digital Nomads, often we're traveling either alone uh, or we are traveling for extended periods of time in cities that we don't really know anyone. So if you want to meet people, another great place to look is either meetup.com or on the Facebook events, and every single city is different, where some places like Chiang Mai, everything is on Facebook for whatever reason, Uh, and I think this might just be Thailand in general, Asia in general, but nobody really uses meetup.com, every event is on Facebook event, however, here in Berlin, there wasn't that much on Facebook, and actually in Barcelona either, but I went on meetup.com, and there were a ton of, a ton of events, so I've signed up for two or three things tonight already. Uh, there's actually a, a nomad m- a meetup at six, and then there's I have a choice of either doing a international meetup, which is I think is just you know expats from around the world, uh, or actually a comedy improv uh, meetup, which I think would be fun as well. So now all of a sudden I went from having nothing to do to having you know all these options and kind of a guaranteed way to meet a bunch of other travelers, uh, who may not necessarily be, you know, digital nomads or, uh, some people might actually be just living in Berlin as expats or local German people that want to, uh, you know, meet other international travelers, maybe you practice their English or just hang out and have fun. But I think these are really, really cool ways to to meet people. So definitely check out sites like meetup.com or Facebook events. If you're going to be somewhere for more than, you know, a few days and you want to do something different and you want to meet other People from around the world. So my actual plans, uh, for this summer, this trip, uh, is I didn't really have any plans, to be honest. Uh, I thought I'd be hanging out with Sam for a little bit longer, but I think he's itching to go back to Chiang Mai. And to be honest, I am a little bit as well. Um, it's such an easy place to live. The, it's, the weather is pretty good year round, even though right, right now it's technically raising season. You know, I see photos from my friends and what they do in Chiang Mai and it's like, it's pretty good year round. I actually just wrote a travel guide to Thailand on JohnnyFT.com, so check that out. It's gotten a ton of shares already from people in different travel groups on Facebook. So it's one of those things where I wrote because a ton of friends always ask me, and usually it's either friend or friend of friend that says, "Hey, I'm going to Thailand. Uh, can you give me some advice?" And I end up spending half an hour giving them advice through Facebook Messenger, and it's always you know similar advice. Uh, where to go, where to stay, how long you should go for, what you should bring, etc. So I finally decided to write it into a guide. So you can check it out at johnnyfd.com slash Thailand. And make sure you share that with any friends who you think might be interested in going to Thailand. And one more tip about the walking tours that I forgot to mention is I've been telling this to every single guide (laughs) that I've, I've met. And I'm surprised how few of them actually do this. It's a way where they can... so. One, the, the two things that the guides want or need to do the job successfully or continue to do it is one is tips because they, if they don't get tips, you know, they're just doing it for free and they need to get a real job or a different job. And second is actually reviews on TripAdvisor or online on, you know, on Google or whatever it is because the, the owners of the company, of the walking tour company, Will let people go if they don't get enough re- reviews that mention their name, and the problem is people always forget to leave reviews, and people always forget the person's name. So as much as like they like the guide, you have to remember people are traveling, so they they probably will meet you know fifty new people by th- by the time they sit down to write a review, and by then they'll probably forget your name. So I gave him some really really easy good advice, and I hope he takes it. And I think every single free walking tour guide should follow this advice is simply to ask every single person to take a picture of your ID or your um, your badge for the walking tour. So his name is Xavier. Uh, and I only remember that because I wrote it down on my phone. But I guarantee you the 16 other people, most of them are not going to remember his name even a day later uh especially if they actually sit down to write a review so by people taking a picture of that person's name tag especially if they get you know a picture uh of them holding the name tag so they they kind of remember the person's face not only they remember the name but it's also going to remind them hey you are sitting on a computer right now you're on your phone right now you're probably just laying around why don't you write a review and take your time so that is an easy easy way for any guide to get more reviews And if you want to make your guide happy, not only can you take a picture and write a review for them, but you can also suggest this to them because the more that, you know, the more that they do it, the better off they're going to be. And then the second part is as far as tips, anyone who has a tip based occupation, it's a, it's kind of a hard struggle between, you know, pushing too hard and not pushing at all. I would say the best thing that anyone can do is plant seeds in a way where it's not pushy, but then don't f- forget to ask for the sale. Uh, and this applies for any kind of business. And I'm so happy that I used to work at Good Guys, which is an electronic store. Uh, and then Best Buy, uh, which is another electronic store. <laughs> both, uh, Good Guys is already not around anymore and Best Buy. I, th- I think it might be shutting down pretty soon or shutting down some of their stores pretty soon because it's just that market is completely gone. But the sales skills I learned from there have been great for everything I've ever done. So my tip to the tour guides was don't be afraid to explain the way the system works, but don't do it in a pushy way. So on one hand, you have some people that say, you're like, oh, you know, um, the, the, the tour is free. But then, you know, if you want, you can tip me or not. And that's terrible because a lot of people they'll they'll get two things out of it. One is they'll assume that the tour is actually free, and then second, they can not tip. The other side, there's people that say. You know, I really pushing and saying, you know, yeah, this tour is my, my only income. And, you know, if you don't, if you don't give me a, a big tip, um, you know, I can't feed my family or you know, I can't pay, you know, bills or they'll say, you know, other tours are 50 euros. Uh, so, you know, just pay, you know, give me something, uh, equivalent and it feels kind of slimy especially when people sign up for that for a free walking tour they don't want to feel guilt tripped into giving a large tip especially because that that tour is not worth 50 euros you know maybe a private tour would be um especially if something kind of transport but a, f- a walking tour is usually worth around you know 10 to 20 euros kind of depending where you go um or even you know if it's a huge group of 20 people if everyone gave 5 euros you know that person would be Making a pretty decent amount of money um for their time, so my advice for either the walking tour um guides or for you if you have a kind of a if you ever get into that situation where you kind of rely on tips is to just explain it you know nicely uh, but don't be afraid to say this is a t- tip based tour where you don't have to pay anything up front just pay me what you think the tour is worth at the end thank you. And that's it. It's a really, really simple. You know, you're 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 never mentioning the word "don't pay me at all." You're never mentioning the word "free." You're kind of explaining the system. So now that I'm all done with the tours around Berlin, and there's really nothing else for me to do here. I am moving on to my next destination, and I've been wanting to meet up Chris summer in Europe for this whole summer, uh, and I'm waiting for him to arrive which turns out it's not gonna be for another month. So instead of waiting around the EU and having my available days in the Schengen area run out, I've decided that I'm gonna have to wait outside of the Schengen area. So if you guys aren't familiar with that is, is unless you are part of the EU, for most other countries, including Americans and Canadians and I'm assuming, you know, Australians and other countries, is there's a agreement in Europe called the Schengen zone, where people get 90 days uh, as a tourist for free, which is easy because that means we don't have to apply for a visa up front. It's free to show up, you know, which is nice if you're staying for three months uh, or less. However, as a digital nomad that wants to spend the whole summer in Europe, which could be five or even six months, that makes it pretty much impossible for us to stay in the Schengen zone, which is most of Most of the EU or most of Europe, most of Western Europe, at least for more than three months every six months. And what that means is you can, you know, we can stay in Europe for six months of the year, but we'd have to do it, let's say, you know, June, July, August. And then we have to stay out for another, um, three months and then come back in like October, November, December. And the problem with that is um, most of us don't want to come here during the winter. So it's almost kind of pointless. So It almost kind of means that we only get three months per year, um, or at least three good months per year in, in Europe. And this applies for Austria, Belgium, Czech Republic, which is Prague, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, which is Budapest, Iceland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Malta, Netherlands, which is Amsterdam, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and Liechtenstein. So out of those countries, it's pretty much every single country that we as digital nomads would visit, um, and want to stay in for you know, for prolonged periods of time. Uh, luckily, there are a few other options that are not part of the Schengen area that are still in Europe. Uh, one being Bulgaria. So a lot of people are now, you know, trying to find these alternative hubs that are not yet part of the Schengen area. So it doesn't count towards our, our allotted 90 days here. Uh, so Sofia, Bulgaria is, uh, you know, pretty nice uh, city. And, um, I didn't see any nomads there, but I can see it possibly becoming a, a decent hub. And a few hours south of that, uh, there's a co-working space that opened up in Bansko, Bulgaria, uh, which is a ski resort town in the winter. And supposedly in the summer, it's nice for nature and hiking. So that's actually one of the options I thought about checking out. The only reason why I didn't want to do it, is because I'm traveling myself, I'd be 100% reliant on who happens to be at the co-working space at that time and there's not going to be that many people. Um, if I was a couple, uh, if I was dating someone and they wanted to go with me to Banksco, I'd probably do it just because it seems like it'd be you know at least a nice um, place in Europe to stay as long as you have someone else. But if you are <laughs> traveling alone, I don't know if that is the place I want to go yet because there's not that much to do there and there's not that many people. So instead, uh, I decided I'm gonna go to U- Ukraine because I liked, loved it so much last year. And I checked out Odessa and Kiev. If you guys haven't heard those episodes, you can look back in the archives of Travel Like a Boss or read my guide at JohnnyFD.com and just search for Ukraine. It was amazing there. And best of all, it is so cheap right now. And the reason why it's cheap isn't because Ukraine is actually that cheap. Uh Russia isn't actually that cheap. So when you go to like Moscow, for example, it's it's pretty expensive. You know, you're going to go out and you're going to eat and you're going to spend, you know, 20 20 dollars or whatever it is. Um in Ukraine, their currency devalued in I believe it was 2014 or, around then. So about, you know, 3 or 4 years ago, it used to be worth you know 1 to 4. So basically for every you know 1 US dollar you would get four, I think five, actually maybe five Ukrainian hryvnia, which is the UAH. And now it is worth 1 to 26, which means your money is worth five times as much as it was in 2014. So just three, you know f- 4 years ago Your money is now worth five times the amount, which means things pretty much cost 20% of what they should cost. And I'm sure, you know, things have kind of fluctuated a bit. Um, but everything that you buy is going to be more than half off, which is amazing because Ukraine has amazing food. Uh, has a lot of culture, has super nice people, uh, which even though it may not seem like it, <laughs> like when you first meet them, uh, it's actually a very safe, kind of trustworthy, cool place, which is really surprising because I don't know if that many people realize that. Uh, so I'm going to be going into a small city town called Lviv, which is on the border of Poland. And the reason why I'm going there is I found a cheap flight from Berlin, uh, directly to live and it's a place I've never been. So I'm going to be spending at least a week there. I'm going to check it out and hopefully I would like it enough just to stay for the whole month while waiting for, for Chris. And as a backup, if I get bored after a few days of being there, uh, because it is a, like a small touristy town, I'm going to, then take a train from Liv to Kiev, which is their capital city, which I know I'll like because it's a big, cool city with lots of do. And, you know, it's beautiful and it's still, you know, pretty much just as cheap. So the goal is I'm going to spend one month there. Uh, I'll probably join a co-working space. I checked one out in Kiev last year. And even though it was pretty hard to meet other people, uh, at least, you know, there is a scene. Um, there's stable internet. There's a you know place to to work and meet people, and I think in 2017, pretty much every single city that I visit has some type of coworking space. Now you can check out coworker.com for a listing of whatever city you're in and kind of see you know see where to go. And a lot of places actually even have free day passes to check out and see if you like it. I dropped by one here in Berlin because they had a piano desk up front, and I thought that was pretty cool. But it was 20 euros a day. And it didn't really seem all that worth it to me. So I decided to, to skip out and just work from my hotel, actually my hostel while I'm here in Berlin. And it's been completely fine. So I think co-working spaces are one of those things where you join in more to meet people or if you have a big project that you're working on and you really need, you know, a place to be for eight hours a day. But. While you're in kind of maintenance mode as a nomad and you're just working a few hours a day, if you're just going on Facebook and checking email, coffee shops, um, are, you know, usually be a better value than spending 20 euros to go to Coring Space a day. However, uh, if you're staying a month or longer, I, I'm a big, big fan of, of Coring Spaces, especially if you really want to scale up your business and make more money. The reason why I joined Pun Space in Chiang Mai was because I was wasting so much time every day looking for um, a good coffee shop, you know, looking for power outlets and stable Wi-Fi. And I realized that in the extra one or two hours a day that I was moving around, um, and also you know being more productive, I would easily make back the you know hundred dollars uh, a month. The space rental there, and in Chiang Mai, it's only hundred bucks a month, which is a great, great value. In big cities, it's usually about one hundred fifty to two hundred a month, uh, which, depending on the city, is still good value. Some places are just over overpriced um, because there's they have a monopoly. Places like in Bali, every everything is over two hundred dollars, which I I think is just a complete rip off because like the cost of living there is so low um, the cost of land is so low. The cost of labor is so low that there's no reason why they should be charging over $200 for a coworking space. When places like in Chiang Mai are literally half that price and places like in Europe are the exact same price where it obviously costs a lot more, need to, more money to run them uh, out here. So kind of just a, a warning to to people is core spaces are amazing, but don't always fall for the hype i think they it's almost kind of like a venus flytrap for a lot of digital nomads thinking when they go to a new city that they have to pay the money to be able to meet other nomads or feel like they belong there are so many groups and meetups that you can do outside of coworking spaces that it's not the only option to to meet other people so I'll say that's tip number seven is only join a co working space if you actually need to be there or you need to be productive. If you just want to meet nomads, feel free to find them on, on Facebook groups or on meetup.com or other places and save yourself some of that cash. So after uh, Ukraine, who knows where we're going to be. I think Chris and I are either going to stay there if we really like it or we're going to check out Krakow, Poland, which... I think we might like a lot. The cost of living in Poland is amazing. People are super friendly and it's just a cool place to be. If you guys have never been there, uh, Warsaw is, is amazing. We, we went to the Google co-working space there that's actually free and really, really enjoyed it. So this time we want to check out Krakow just because we were only there for a weekend and it's definitely a, a more beautiful place with a nicer kind of city downtown where all the people go to, to drink. So we will report back and see how that is. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this update and that you guys enjoyed all the tips that, that I brought up. Uh, I know this is a slightly different type of podcast. I, I think a lot of people have messaged me saying that they, they enjoy these once in a while. Obviously everyone enjoys the, the interviews, um, but just from a update and tip point of view, I think a lot of people are pretty happy having these once in a, once in a blue moon, once a month or once every two months. Uh, but let me know. Cause I'm, I'm actually honestly very curious. Uh, let me know on Facebook or on Twitter or leave a comment on the show notes of this um, episode, travel like a boss podcast.com uh, or just search for 165. Uh, I want to take this time to thank our people, you know, basically everyone who's been leaving all these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast on iTunes, you guys are the reason why more and more people keep finding this. So I want to thank Fong Pin from Canada this week. She says, amazing guests, five stars. I told my partner we're going to the Digital Nomad Conference in 2018, uh, which is the Nomad Summit. It has been an awesome hearing real stories from people who succeeded with dropshipping and other businesses. Once I get Another grand this year. I'm going to join in. So uh sounds like Fong is working a normal job still saving up to be able to uh, afford kind of this life of travel. So big congratulations. I hope you do well. And for anyone who hasn't left a review, please, please, please go on iTunes and leave a review. And if you guys decide you want to come out to Europe this summer uh, and you want to book a flight – You can check out our sponsor, tripstreak.com. Use the link tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss and they'll let them know that you guys are listening. So big thank you to Tripstreak and thank you guys for continuing to listen and I hope you guys all well. Take care and see all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus How to Choose the Perfect Niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week, and remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.